0: All right, uh, says recording. I think so. We're recording. Yeah. This is, I'm Luke, and I'm here with Sherry because we, we got into. Um, well, I guess it's because you reached out to me after I think listening to Joe and I's conversation, right? Yeah. And we were, and you can say why that was, but um, but essentially we decided to have a talk because, you know, we just enjoy each other and we wanted to talk anyhow. But also we were going to talk about, I don't know, one way that I thought about saying it was um, continuous communion. Mm-hmm. with God, Maybe. And I like so,
1: that. I like the way you phrase that because I, I yeah, I, I don't have a name for it. So that works.
0: <laughs> it's a hard thing. So, so this is where I will relate to you. You can, you can talk about, you know, preface or cage the conversation however you want. But um, I have, So, and I've said this to you, I'm a fairly intuitive person and I've, um, and I don't know, I take that to be, I think even within spirit, Christian spirituality, but largely that's considered probably a more feminine trait being intuitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, I find myself to be fairly in touch with certain feminine sensibilities, but, um, but you have always... and I maybe said this in our, in our uh, discord conversation that you have always stood out to me as someone who essentially what you said to me when you reached out after the job conversation is how I've always felt about you. I've always felt like that you, and, and maybe it's different to degrees and exactly how we'd want to be able to articulate our own experience. But you, you seem like almost more than, than anyone I could think of experience god and experience the world in a in a harmonious non like it's like there's not a dichotomy there's not these dualisms there's not compartmentalizing
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you just you just ex you experience god in everything
1: yeah
0: i mean that's the way that it seems to me and that's that's kind of how my experience is too like i just don't have I don't have all those distinctions all the time.
1: No. No, and I I call it categorizing. You know, everybody wants to categorize everything, right? They they think that like we're we're working through the justice sermon thanks to you. Actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In the book club. Yeah. And and um and he puts it so well where he says um, you know, you have you, people want to make God a magistrate, right? Saying Mm -hmm. that he punishes sin. Sure. And then they want to make him the father Mm -hmm. in that he loves and forgives us. Mm -hmm. But George says so eloquently, he's one thing. Yeah. And you can't give him separate offices. Yeah. So so you have to think about it differently, right? It it forces you into a position where and it's so natural to us to categorize,
2: purpose, mm-hmm.
1: right? We we want to say, you know, this is this and that's that, and then you know sometimes they work together and sometimes they they're they're opposing, right? Yeah. And um, I mean, I do see um, dualism in the world, you know, like good and evil and. Sure. Um, Night and day, and you know, like I, I see that sim- symbolism in sure. the world. <laughs> Excuse me, but I think that I think that what that symbolism is calling us to do is is to integrate them, mm. right? Is to figure out how they are one thing. Yeah. Because we can't live in the world if we only had day. Yeah. And we can't live in the world if we only had night. Yeah. Right. So night and day are two distinct experiences, but they allow for life.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and, and um yeah,
0: they're two halves of a whole. And I mean, it really is. I love the, I love the Taoist yin yang symbol because it really is. Me too. <laughs> there's, you know, there's, uh there's this, unity where it's all one thing and it pops up in a hole in the middle and really like if you drew it there would almost be graying between the two and it's the same with night and day as the day passes you get into twilight and you have mornings and there's this you know there's this circle this circular thing to it but yes it is all of one and this is and and somehow whatever that oneness is within God, within the day and the night, within ourselves, within mind, body, all these different dualisms that we have, there has to be an integrated whole. And I think, I think people that, that are of more of an analytical, uh, liking their categories and dichotomies Mm -hmm. minds. It seems like it, it seems, I think the fear is, is that you, you're, they think you're going to lose distinction and meaning in conflating these things. But, but the union, the oneness of these things is a mystical thing that is ineffable. Right. You know, you can't, when you try to parse it out and, and talk about the unity of these things, it becomes nonsensical almost in words, you know?
1: Yeah, it does. But, but, but you can make sense out of it. Like for me, the biggest example of dualism is man and woman or male and female. Right.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And that was, that was one of the first things God did was, Mm -hmm. was extract the feminine from the masculine and make it separate.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But he also said that together they are the image of God. And so it's kind of like, Um, one, one with the, you have to have the two together in order for them to be enhanced to to their fullest potential. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And well, and even within, and you could even say even within yourself, you know, because we're even within a person's self, whether or not they're masculine and feminine, we all have, you all, we all have an experience of both of those dynamics. And those things should be in, in balance and integrated or else you're not going to, um, or things will get out of alignment, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. for sure.
2: Yeah.
0: Well,
1: and so for me, in order to understand dualism, because it does exist, I, I look at it as, as if it's, it's calling me to integrate it. It's calling me to find out what it is. What does it look like when you take those two things and bring them together? Mm. Right? That's the big question.
0: Yeah. And one of the, well, and one of the, (laughs) hope you're slowing down.
1: So much. um... Is it okay now? Should be good
2: now. Yeah, now it's, it's good.
1: Internet.
0: Sorry, it was just you started going slow and then it lost you and now you're back. Yeah. So I don't know what you were saying. Go ahead.
1: Oh, you, um what did I say?
0: <laughs> well, I could maybe <clears throat> so I have a I had a thought of I think one of the big ways in the Paul Vanderclay world and this is something I've I've been thinking about myself for years of and Paul talks about this way is he's trying to figure out what materiality is, what matter is, what's its point, what are you know, what are, what we, are doing we doing? Or, or um or like the mind mind body dualism, like what's going on with mind and or spirit and bodies and how are we I actually think this gets at a lot of even my own personal uh kind of one of my big interests which which is um Kind of the Western mind, which I think is an overemphasis on the mind apart from the body. Like Mm -hmm. it's a dualism that's gotten out of hand. Where we, yeah, where we, where people, where we've um, inflated and 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 uh, confused belief with just this mere intellectual ascent apart Mm -hmm. from embodied belief, which is. Most of what your belief is, you know whether it 's your elephant yeah. or all the all the things that you know that you don 't even know that you know,
2: mm-hmm. you know
0: the things that you 've integrated that you're no longer that are no longer in your conscious awareness so that you can focus on something else you know yeah. that's, that 's a very Michael Polanyi who I <clears throat> was referencing to you, but, but yeah. the way that he 'd like to illustrate it is like if you ride a bike or if you play guitar or if you 're cooking food or anything, what allows you to do that is all these things that you have integrated into your body that you're that when you learn to ride a bike or when you learn to play guitar, you're having to focus on all these things very meticulously, but then you focus on them to such a degree that they get in your fingers Mm -hmm. so that you no longer have to focus on those things. And then you can look at the music and play a song. But like, if you don't integrate that knowledge and embody it, you can't actually play the song or like if you don't integrate with riding a bike you can't actually look and ride down the road or drive a car or anything and I think what's helpful about those illustrations is and I think once you really start to meditate and think on it most of what you know is that yeah most of what you know is unarticulated and integrated embodied knowledge Mm -hmm. and so if you so all of that to say that what I think the West has done is focused only on articulated, conscious focal knowledge as what we believe. And I'm like, well, you're excluding 99% of it, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, And then that's what leads to identitarianism and tribalism, which that's my whole uh, position. But I think what we need to do then is so what the West needs, I think is a reintegration of the body into the mind and, and how, and, and we need to figure out how those things interact which is why i think there's a resurgence of all this liturgical practice because that's what that mm-hmm. is
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and and i think you know when you were talking about that how you know like riding a bike for example we we even use that as a cliche you know it's like it's like it's like riding a bike right you can not do it for 20 years and then jump on and do
0: it yeah you don't forget it because it's yeah. not here
1: It's ingrained. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, 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 uh, but because of that, we tend to minimize that, right. We minimize it because it's not something that we can, it's not graspable.
0: Yeah. Well, and um, it's not, it's not, it doesn't appeal to the ego. This is why I call it the egoic intellect.
2: Right. Like
0: no one cares about that kind of knowledge because you can't, you can't throw it around and virtue signal with it.
1: Right. But what, what, how are you going to, how are you going to move in the world without it? Right. <laughs> uh,
0: exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or actually be virtuous.
1: Yeah. You'd be reinventing the wheel every time you got up every morning. It would be yep. Groundhog Day over and over again. Right. Yeah. 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 Without which,
0: it. which is a projection of a humanity that isn't real. I mean, that's like, yeah, I agree. So, um, Oh, we're going to take it. I had another thought of um, the mind-body dualism thing. but So maybe what we could talk about, too, is something that we've talked about a little bit is, and I think of it this way, we could maybe bring in, um, like, the divine feminine, because that's something we've interacted with about. Um, and I, I don't know what that, I love that um, uh, Rilke quote. Of uh, or if that's how you say it, you know better than me. Real K, real K, yeah. Um, About, but it's essentially he has like just that sentence about how the the feminine is so important, and I truly think that it is because maybe I would say it this way because the I think what the egoic, I think the mind, and maybe this isn't true symbolically. I need someone who understands symbolism more than me. But the mind, the conscious mind, I I I view as more masculine, because mm-hmm. it's the thing that's looking forward, ordering chaos. Whereas the body is the more I see body as being more feminine um, symbolically, and 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 I think that the mind and the mind that wants to set up dualisms and binaries and dichotomies, I think the reason it does that is because that's and that's connected to logos too, I suppose, because it's judgment. It's it, that's what allows you to judge. So you say not this, not that, sheep, not goats. Um, it's what allows you to um, make decisions between this or that. And, and I, and I think, think, yeah, I yeah. think what yeah. what we need, we need in the West, West now is is the audio good? It's
2: perfect. You okay.
0: It was just, okay. And I think what we need in the West now is more of just the, and I think this is what you get through things like meditation and contemplation because it's, because it's just sitting in a place of receptivity Mm
2: -hmm. versus
0: articulating and judgment is that you need, it's, it's almost like we have this, like people have said with the internet, we have this dearth of, of, knowledge or facts or information but we have no wisdom and wisdom Sophia, i mean that's feminine for sure mm-hmm. but it's the thing that allows you to interpret interpret and value between all these different information and facts and i really think that's what we need in the west is we need we need a rebalance away from that egoic intellect more towards the embracing positive feminine. feminine i don't know i'm i'm working this out because that's- you could also say that we have somewhat of a, uh, a, a dangerous malevol- malevolent feminine in the West too, which is mm-hmm. the victim culture kind of protecting mama bear thing. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't know what your thoughts are on that, of like what the balance is and what we need. Um, because ironically I'm actually though,
1: just, go ahead. Oh, so, uh, well, I'm actually just learning about the masculine and the feminine, thanks to, um, hanging out in the chat, um, Mm. it it seems to be a topic quite, quite often. And, you know, like for me, (coughs) any, any kind of, um, the only thing that I can give to anybody else is, is what I've been experiencing in my own life. And. I have to say that in the last probably six months, six to nine months, I've been learning that a lot of the ideas that I had have names.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
1: you know that they're not new. Yeah, new to me. Yeah, and um, <laughs> one of them is theosis, right? Mm-hmm. I remember Esther saying to me, "Oh, that's theosis." In a conversation, that, you know, because so I feel a little bit like a babe in the woods, you know, when it comes to talking on an intellectual level about certain things because yeah and 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 i have actually seen how the fact that um that i i see the two as a whole or i live the two as a whole and i have for most of my life um Sometimes I don't give others the benefit of the doubt. Like I'm thinking about my marriage actually at, at, mm. right, right at this point because I look at my husband and I think, well, why can't he do it the way I do?
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> and, um, and it just, it seems like, I mean, we probably all do that to a certain extent, you know, like we have our, our you know, our rose colored glasses or whatever you want to call them. on and and we see the world in a certain way but I can see the world the way he sees it and I can see the world from my perspective and Mm -hmm. then I can try to kind of you know come to a sort of consensus yeah you know those two two separate things and um and he he's just not intuitive he he's not an intuitive person, right? Yeah. And um, uh, what was it? Where was it going with this? So I guess, yeah. So I'm learning about the masculine and the feminine, and some, something that I've been thinking about for the last few days actually is maybe it's unfair of me to expect someone to be as integrated, let's say, right? To to mm-hmm. have you know, to have all you know that much perspective on life because they just aren't wired that way. Like I I'm sure mm. people, you know, that are open to learning can learn and can, yeah. and can, you know, expand their frame if you want to say it like that. Yeah. Um but um yeah and and of course we are tainted by our Western by our Western thought, right? Like I, I get this image of, you know, when you when you take a word, like, um, I don't know, any word, any English word, and you say it over and over and over and over and over again, it starts to sound really silly.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right? Because you just keep saying it and saying it and saying it. It seems like that's what we've done. We've, we've like over, over chewed. Hmm all this intellectualism right to the point yeah. of silliness where yeah. you know where we're, we're 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 kind of like we're overwhelmed with ideas yeah and they, and, and they all start to you know they, they they like bumper cars they bump up against each other sometimes they repel each other sometimes mm-hmm. they smash into each other and and without that intuition, you have no way of, of of separating the wheat from the chaff, you know, which is what Jesus talks about. I, I, yeah. think I commented that in your talk with Joe, because when I was listening to you talking about dualisms, I, I was thinking maybe this is what separating the sheep from the goats is, it, mm. you know, it might not be like the, the elect from the unelect, right? Which is like the classic, yeah. <laughs> the classic perspective. Maybe
0: earmuffs, earmuffs, Paul.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's more like, more like the wheat and the chaff. Like it's, 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 it's taking, taking the, the, I don't even know how to say it. It's terrible.
0: No, it's either. That's not knowing how to say what's inside your head is my love language. So just keep trying. <laughs>
1: yeah. It, it's, it's, you know, like I have sheep and goats and I yeah. love them both and and uh i don't see like i often look at them and think about those those analogies okay i look at them and i think damn a sheep and all those sinners out there are their goats you know let's put yeah. it like that right and and i think well you know the goats are going to survive the sheep are going to die <laughs> like mm-hmm. they are so going to die right one of, one of my veterinary friends said sheep love to die you know that's what they do. They're just...
0: <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not the most uh, robust, <coughs> tough animal. No, goats,
1: goats, goats are tough, you know, and I, I actually admire that in them. And, and um, we were talking on the chat last night, um, I think it was Matt. Yeah, Matt was reading a devotional that he had read about When Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer in Luke to the disciples, he said, he used an analogy of waking a friend in the night Mm. and asking this friend for something, right? And the friend yells through the closed door, no, I'm in bed now with my children. My day is over. I'm not getting up. Yeah. And he he continues to pound on the door until his friend is just like, okay, if I don't do something, he's not going to go away, right? Mm-hmm. and that's the way God wants us to approach him yeah and that is not how a sheep approaches anything that's how a goat approaches it
0: Huh? <laughs> right yeah So, like res- yeah resilient stubbornness maybe caged negatively but you know I don't there's a lot of so being raised in a very uh or you know most spending most of my life in a very biblical you know, Bible believing, exegetical churches, I've got a lot of just Bible in there. So like when you were, when you were saying that there's, there's just passages that come to me, you know, like, uh, and I'm not going to quote it correctly. I mean, I don't have it committed to memory, but like, uh, essentially the kingdom of God is, um, what is the word that's used? The kingdom of God is like at hand in the, in the, and one way you could translate it is, and the violent take it by force, you know, mm-hmm. or um, or like one of my favorite passages in the Bible, and it's probably just because I'm a passionate person, so I just don't understand dispassionate people, um, mm-hmm. but is that from Revelation, like, oh, that you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out mm-hmm. my mouth. It's a, there is there is some degree that like that persistence and that result, you know, those who seek find, those who knock get it like that, that, um, so to your goat analogy, that kind of persistence is, uh, I don't know. I relate to a lot and I don't know how that all relates to, um, maybe we're mixing metaphors and relating that to the dualism of the sheep and the goats (laughs) and and their (laughs) their eternal, you know, their eternal damnation or uh, security, but um, yeah, I don't know. And I don't know how that imagery works in, in, the, in an ancient, you know, Semitic Hebrew kind of a world. Whereas goats, I don't know. Goats were maybe considered, I don't know. they They wouldn't have been considered more undesirable. I don't know. I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about that imagery.
2: Yeah
1: um well that's the thing don't do that don't think about it too much (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i just again the bible itself is full of you know the sheep need their shepherd okay there's there's this image of helplessness but then there's also this call to violence right to take the kingdom of heaven to pound on the door until you know, the, the the homeowner says, okay, yeah, you know, I gotta get rid of this person. And yeah. um and and there there again are those dualisms, right? That have to be integrated. Yeah. They they have to be integrated. So there's a way there's not one way to approach God. Right. Right? But but then again when you are um in a friendship or a marriage, there isn't one way to approach your wife or my husband, right? Yeah. I mean if, if we only approached them in one way all the time they would they would be long gone, right
0: <laughs> Yeah, or they would be bored you know it's too predictable it's too boring. That's right. I mean that reminds me of well, and this is probably related, but that's I think I think I remember Jordan Peterson hearing, and this was always this is a helpful, practical bit of information for me that somewhere in a healthy relationship, the balance is between um, the ratio of five to one, uh, positive to negative interactions and 12 to one. He said, oh. you got to keep it in that window because if she says, if you get less than five to one, you're interact, you're the overall, um, I don't know what you'd call it, the, the space between you, the energy between you is much too negative
2: mm-hmm. and people can
0: handle it and they don't like it. It's too, it's too ma- too judgmental maybe too masculine you could say it that way as Mm -hmm. speaking of the dualism but then if it gets to be 12 to 1 where it's positive to negative people are like oh you're boring you're a pushover it's like you're not even there
1: right
0: so like what's the good you know what's you know you're not it's not exciting it's not it's not pushing on me it's not stretching and people want to live somewhere in that middle Mm
2: -hmm. and you
0: get so it's almost like i guess that's maybe a, a helpful way to illustrate where i think the west is now and I I think actually the movie, the Joker that I love so much gets at this is we're too much. We're well beyond the five to one, at least culturally Mm. and societally Mm -hmm. we're, we're in the, I don't know, positive to negative interactions. We're maybe like, I don't know. And maybe this is just the cynic or the pessimist in me, but it seems like we're maybe like five to one negative to positive interactions. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, And that's just not sustainable. No. No, um, no. And so I yeah. think that's where we need that movement toward the open embrace. So the reason I think of that is um, <clears throat> I went to a, a local lecture here in Minneapolis a couple weeks ago. So there's this guy. I don't, are you familiar with the Enneagram at all? Have you heard of that? No. no. Well, yeah. it's this, um, it's, for lack of a better term, it's kind of a personality tool it's a <clears throat> it's actually really ancient and has spiritual roots but the the basic idea is there's nine basic personality types hence in en- enneagram and and they all have different names and it, it's actually really helpful I think in in your own self-understanding and awareness and kind of a <clears throat> psychoanalysis Jungian, psycho yeah. psychological type way but um so there was a guy who came up who's primarily known as an Enneagram teacher and he's written some books on it. But the conference was actually on uh, meditation and contemplation and things and kind of a rediscovery of those things in the West. And, uh, and I think that's how he, dev- that's how he defined uh, contemplation and meditation was basically just like sitting, sitting in the loving embrace of God.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, because he said, and I, I actually, if this ends up getting posted and if they've, and they maybe recorded it, I know they recorded, it's a, it's this thing that ongoing faith and life thing in my town. And so they may be recorded it. might end up on YouTube, but he kept, he made the point that he said a lot of people think, and particularly in the West, you know, we think of meditation as like doing something like you got to meditate on scripture. You got to do something. It's this active engagement with the mind, but he's, but that's, that's a very masculine Mm -hmm. impulse. And he said, I like to think of meditation as just like sitting in the open embrace of God. And he says for a lot of people who grew up within certain, maybe conservative traditions, that seems like a scary thing. Cause like, and I grew up, my mom used to say this stuff to me all the time. Like if you just empty your mind and open yourself up, like who knows what you're opening it up. And he's, but he's like, that right, comes,
2: right.
0: he's like, that just comes out of a, of an impulse of fear. It's almost like, it's almost like you're too afraid to to shut down your active judging mind because, yeah. because you don't have enough faith to let God be in control there. Like I got to stay in control.
2: Yeah. Like
0: we can't let God be in control. <laughs> you know, that yeah. would be a, Really terrifying thing, but but I actually think that's what we need.
1: Yes, yeah, I, yeah. I was I was just thinking about um, you know what we just previously talked about, all these dualisms and integrating them. I think the best way to integrate them, um. Like, um, yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty practical, so it's not practical for me to take time out and meditate. You know, sure. it's not practical for me to you know, set aside this, you know, actually, I, I actually, what I actually feel like is I, I set myself up for defeat when I do mm. that, because every time I'm not able to, I have not been successful. Yeah. Which then in turn makes me feel guilty and, you know, and Judgment. On and, on and on it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then we're off. Right. Yeah. Um, the idea of, of living in the loving embrace of God is to me, Living in the moment, yeah. Right? It's it's what Jesus says when he says, "Don't worry about tomorrow." Right? Yeah, sufficient for today is the evil thereof, or something to that. Yeah, to that yep,
0: way.
2: yep.
1: And um, and it doesn't mean that we have to be, you know, stupid or or um, you know, irresponsible in, yeah. in our in our lifestyle. Because I'm not that. But um and sometimes I can see trouble ahead, you know, it's like, Oh, well, there's like zero money in the bank account and these things are coming up and that spells trouble. Right. Yeah. But living in the moment is knowing that, and I've said this to my kids, my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Right. Yeah. That is knowing. And, 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 um, I wrote in a blog post one time, it, you know this this relationship that we have with God it's not you do feel it like you know you have what c s Lewis calls moments where you are surprised by joy right yeah you have these aha moments or um you know really good things um that make god very evident to you, but it's it's knowing and walking in it to me it's it's I know God, okay yeah. I, I know what, what, what he wants. And I have had times in my life where I made the wrong choices because I wasn't thinking about him. I wasn't thinking clearly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that didn't change who he was.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> right.
0: That reminds um, me, and, you know, keep going.
1: Yeah. So uh, to me, it's it, in a very practical sense it's it's really getting to know him you know i i keep using the term reciprocal yeah you know it, it's like um you can't know him if if all you're doing is is self-flagellating and crawling on your knees and you know mm. uh in front of a uh an icon and a candle mm. and you know like you're not seeing him in your everyday life you're not walking yeah. with him you're not giving him the little <clears> things you're not um, being frustrated with, with his, his timing, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Not pounding on the door. Right. Yeah.
0: Well that, yeah, that gets back to you. So what I was thinking is you were saying that, and I resonate with all that. Uh, I, I think that's right, but it it gets back to our, um, continual communion thing. And I almost think of, I almost think of those, and maybe this is my own self-deception, but I always think of those. I tend to think of like set aside times for prayer or set aside time or like a dis, spiritual disciplines, the discipline of fasting, praying in front of an icon, all these things that you do, you know, that you think in your mind to do as a discipline are good things. Mm-hmm. Um but it's almost like they're a means to, it's like they're a means to an end with the end goal being continual communion. Mm -hmm. And so then like for what you were saying, it's almost like if, if those things, if, if doing those disciplined things is a hindrance and leads you down a path of, of judgment and condemnation, and if you just naturally or innately by God's grace in whatever way for the way that He's shaped you, you can just live in that constant communion anyhow. Well, just just skip the means to the end and just go to the end.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, exactly.
1: yeah. And, you know I, I'm not saying that, that one shouldn't do those things. Yeah. Um, I think the way that one should do those things is in response to God.
2: Right? Yeah.
1: Not seeking God yeah because the 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 lie that that we're telling ourselves is yeah. in that situation is that god isn't there and he's there right okay? right
0: it's not a transactional thing you're not like no. you're not that reminds me of that pete rollins episode or the rob bell with pete rollins is like the lack it's the filling it's the last guru it's the thing that you're mm-hmm. it's the mm-hmm. you're you're creating up almost like a, a transactional addict type relationship yes. with god as if he's not already there. Yes. No, just open your eyes to his to his, his reality and his being and his presence now. You know, right. it's the eternal now.
1: Yeah, and 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 when you do that and and you become transfixed on an icon because you're you're reveling in who God is. <clears throat> awesome.
2: Right.
1: right.
0: Right. But
1: but if you run to the icon to find God, you, you ran right past him. Sure. Right.
0: Sure. And this is where, and, and I don't know, there's maybe a, so you could maybe think of it this way is sometimes I almost probably think of it as in like a law and a spirit thing. It's almost like what, you, what you're advocating or what we're advocating is, is life according to the spirit where you're no longer doing these mechanistic simple things to to try to meet God you're not going to the temple you're not sacrificing you're not fulfilling all these things but but those things are meant to be and this is what saint paul says those things are meant to be the pedagogue the school teacher that teaches you how to be a grown-up adult where you no longer the way i like to say it a lot is like if my son um by the time he's 20 is not punching his sister because he's following the rule don't punch your sister Like I've failed as a parent like, there's nothing wrong with that law. There's nothing wrong with that discipline, but the goal is communion, which transcends law. It doesn't negate law. It doesn't say the law isn't valuable. And so all that to say that I think there are people, there are going to be people who just, who just aren't there yet, who just can't for whatever reason. And sometimes that's me. Who just can't, for whatever reason, get to the 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 continual communion, and so they're going to need they're going to need those disciplines or those laws or those rules to train them in in a in a practice that hopefully is going to lead there. Like hopefully they don't become the stumbling block in of themselves because then that's legalism Um,
1: or witchcraft
0: or yeah or witchcraft right i mean but you i guess i'm just trying to say to people like i don't want to i don't want people to hear this and feel judgment because no i don't
1: either
0: because they just can't because there's no sense you can't fake it no you know like you're either there or you're no. not
1: no and that's why i say from a really practical point of view um living in the moment is 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 a thing you can do right um and it doesn't require you to set aside time for it it is it is how you live right? yeah it's not a thing that you do in your day okay i'm gonna yeah. in this moment right? right it's 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 a it's a mode of being that transports you into well for one thing it completely opens up your your salience landscape right when mm. you live in the moment. Yeah, because as soon as you start doing that, you you see things you didn't see before, whether they be metaphysical or physical. Yeah, because right?
0: you're present. You're not in your head or in the future or in the past. You're right. now.
1: You're yeah. right now. You know, and and so um, if you know, if anybody's struggling with with you know this idea because they may not be as intuitive or they may you know think more categorically or whatever. I would say to them, just try living in the moment. Just try that for a yeah.
2: week.
1: Right. Yeah. And see how, how that, um, changes your, your landscape. And, and, um, and, and what ends up happening is everything, everything, because, the, <laughs> because everything tells you who God is right in the world around you, you know, the natural world, it, 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 it reveals God. Mm-hmm. And so when you start to live in it, yeah. by moment by moment, God is constantly being revealed to you. Yeah. And, and, and then you start the dialogue, yeah. you know, with him. And, yeah. and, um, and, and yeah, and that's kind of, it's not rocket science, but it's also not, it's not what we do right as as human beings it's not our first thing that that we want to go out and do we want to we want to take things apart yeah you know you have children you've seen them yeah give them a nice little toy and then they take a hammer to it and see how it works right
2: yeah (laughs) yeah
1: so (laughs) that's what we do right
0: yeah it actually takes a lot of um it takes a lot of to be in the now, because that's what I mean.
2: Yeah.
0: And this is the, you know, wise as serpents, innocent as doves, and mm-hmm. this is kind of like what I was talking about with Job. Is there's there's some way to be, we need to be like, the the grown up, but childlike. So that we need to have that childlike presence where we're active here, but it's not in like a um, naive. Yeah, carefree unaware thing it's like it's 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 notice it's it's aware of the gravity and the darkness and the seriousness but it's choosing to to be present and communing and and alive and not distracting yourself with uh false idols of the mind or false anxieties or Mm -hmm. false fears of potential futures or or regrets and browbeating of, of the past. I mean, if you, can, if you can stay in that place, which requires a lot of discipline. I was going to ask you so, like you, so you suggest living in the now, living in the moment, which I really agree with. What, what would you offer, and because you're so practical, what would you offer for practical advice for someone who just feels like they can't do that? Because I feel like there's probably a lot of people who, mm-hmm. who are, um, like, I, I just think of people that are prone to anxiety or prone to really being in their head. They don't know, like you could, you, I, I imagine you just telling someone like live in the moment and they're
1: yeah
0: just like, yeah. how, I
1: know. which,
0: which is hard because it seems so simple. Right. Not,
1: yeah. No, that's why I said it. It. It's not rocket science, but it's also not what we do, right? We, we right. Do live in our heads, and um, and I did it for many years, and it and it caused me a lot of anxiety, actually. <laughs> so yeah. Wait, um, so
0: how did? So maybe that's a way to talk about it. So how did the ball drop for you? Or what? Well, what? What changed? Well, the
1: the uh, the anxiety took the upper hand and, and then transformed itself into depression, which is what depression is. It's, it's, it's being defeated by anxiety. Um, yeah. Um, and, and then I, you know, I, I took drastic measures in my life to solve my problem and, and they were just not, not the right choices. Mm. And um, I was, I said to somebody, you know, I don't wish my experience on anyone, but for me, if I let things get out of hand, if I go into that mode of anxiety and thinking about all the little things and you know worrying about everything, it's a matter of life and death,
2: right?
1: Mm. In a in a real way. Like yeah. I went. I went there, and mm. and so there's enough um, respect for that that I won't go there anymore. I, I won't, I won't do it. Now I'm not saying that's the only way to get there, but that's how yeah. I got there. And, um,
0: so how I did you break the, ad- how did you break the addiction? Cause I understand <laughs> you saying like, you just won't go there anymore cause you saw the fear. Was it just something as, is it just as straightforward as you, you saw like you went deep enough in the hole, that you saw the end like ex existentially that, mm-hmm. that it scared you so much that that's the thing that allowed you to just stop the habit or the addiction that wasn't anxiety.
1: Yeah. That wasn't necessarily it actually. What, what, what really changed was that I, I love, I, I learned to value myself the mm-hmm. way God values me. Right. So, and I, 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 I've, I've said this on the chat and I've said this to lots of people. We, we need to look at ourselves um, and have compassion for our shortcomings,
2: you know? We need
1: to see that person um, angry and frustrated and put our arm around them and say, it's okay, I understand, you know? And tomorrow will be better. And let's just get through these next few minutes, right? Yeah, and um, and you're not a bad person. You're not bad. You're okay, you know. And um, yeah, you know, I had um, I had a nurse say to me one time, "If you had a friend who felt about herself the way that you feel about yourself, would you speak to her the way you speak to yourself?" And I was like, "No." You know, like so it was like, yeah. of course not. I can I can talk to me like that, but I would never talk to a friend like that, right? Yeah. She um, said, Well, why why are you treating yourself like that? Yeah. Right. And and that was that was really really enlightening <clears throat> to me, you know, because I I had to I had to see myself as probably the way God sees me. <laughs>
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: As a little child, struggling and being frustrated and sad and angry and mad and happy and, you know, all these things, right? So, so that was kind of, yeah. When I, when I, when I started to, to see my, and, and, and then, of course, you know, when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. That changed completely in my mind
0: yeah you have because, to love yourself,
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and the thing was loving my neighbor at you know at one point in my life, loving my neighbor was more important than loving myself, mm. but I can't love my neighbor if I don't love myself, right, yeah,
2: and yeah, we, yeah.
1: I, I I had a hard time with that i I didn't like the idea of loving myself, I couldn't figure yeah. it out, yeah, and um
2: I think it's I hard.
0: I don't know. And I don't know why that is. And what, cause, cause I, I don't know. I relate to a lot of that. Like it was, you, as you were saying all that stuff, I was getting emotional, which whatever, that happens a lot. But um, I, uh, I've been, there's a guy that I meet with every week here in Minneapolis and we've been, I don't know, I've been working through that a lot. I come from a family that's very, I mean, interestingly, it ties to all this, but it's very, um, our, uh, our strong suit is uh, a lot of judgment (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of uh, unsolicited advice and very, I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, there's no lack of love, but, and all of the judgment is even meant in love, I think.
2: Uh,
0: But it, but in the end, what it feels like is, um, just kind of an ongoing weight and a feeling of disapproval and a, and a constant feeling of failure. And, um, and I think, I mean, I see that in all my family and all my siblings and I, I have it pretty deeply within myself too. And thankfully, I mean, there's things that have been a lot of graces that have helped me with that. But even that I've been working through that with my friend. And when you said that, so, I mean, this is, this is just a thing that's coming. God is bringing Mm -hmm. from many different angles at me right now. So, so all the, everything that you just said is something I've been learning. I actually think so that conference on meditation, this guy, Chris Hewart's that I was telling you about before he almost said verbatim that exact thing that you said, which talked about loving the neighbor and loving yourself and, um, um, without going into his whole st- story, hopefully it's online and, I'll, and we'll link it, but, um,
2: yeah.
0: it's a, uh, it's, it's very hard to, um, I don't know. There's something about me or my culture, or my upbringing, whether it's family, societal, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of ways that I could come at it and diagnose it whether it's like doctrines of original sin and total depravity and um you know that you're just like the which i mean it all depends on how you think about those things but it can be very hard to i think you're right i think you're right in the fact of of getting at that i think that's a very accurate um intuition and way that you took it because i think one of the big reasons that one of the big ways to stop anxiety I think is to stop that judgment and probably particularly Mm -hmm. self judgment. And the, Mm -hmm. and the only way to do that is to love yourself and to love yourself and to see yourself the way that God sees you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, you know, back to McDonald again is that ultimately at the end is that judgment and mercy are the same thing. Yes. And if you want to divorce those, and if you want to get into yeah. a duality with that, you'll misunderstand God.
1: Yes. And that's why this whole idea. <clears throat> and I don't want to, I, I don't want to bring it up, but I, at the same time I'm going to, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
1: this whole idea of universal salvation. Mm. Like I said to somebody last night, it's not like I'm, i I want everyone to go to heaven, right? If God, saw fit to damn people to hell for eternity and i and i understood why why he was doing it and it fit with the character of god that is given you know that i that i see in the scripture i would be okay with it i would i would have to align myself with it the problem i have is it's not the image of god it's not the picture
2: (laughs) of him that i see yeah yeah
1: and 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 so if I, if I, if I, um, I want to use the word disjoin, you know, if I, if I say, well, okay, this is the God I mm. see, and but it has to be this because of these verses or whatever
0: spirit of geometry,
1: it, it ends up, it trickles down into everything. Luke.
0: I agree. And, and this is where I think, I mean, and I don't want to. This this is just where I'm at in my understanding of it is that, and I think McDonald actually gets at this in his sermon. Uh, and you probably at this point, I'm sure, know it better than I do. <laughs> but um, there's there's a point where he says people who profess to believe certain things, he says, I don't even think believe them because they're because they're too good of people. Right. Um, and and that's almost where I'm at when it comes to universal salvation and hell and things is that I understand people who, who w- won't affirm universalism and why they don't affirm it. Yeah. But in, but in the end, I would almost say it this way is that in the end, I think it's a rationalization.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and I think ultimately they know better. And I mean, and I'll just, I'll be so bold as to say is that, If I think that they really did, so I'll I'll bring in two things. I think if they really, and maybe this seems self-righteous, but (laughs) if they Mm -hmm. really did what Jordan Peterson said, which is tell the truth or at least don't lie, I think if they stopped lying to themselves, which rationalization is a form of lying, Mm -hmm. and if they were really in line with their true authenticity, did you watch Julian and Nick's talk? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Well, there's a there's a section, and I time stamped it in my comment at the bottom because yeah. I love that talk so much. But there's a point of where they talk about authenticity that I think is it's one of the best discussions around authenticity that I've ever heard. But it's ultimately the way that I would say it is that ultimately that like true authenticity is not true authenticity is being true to yourself, transcendent of time. So it's not Mm -hmm. being selfish and petulant and, and, um, and being authentic to like set up really destructive habits in your life. That's not authenticity. That's being a petulant child. True authenticity is, is when the universal and the particular meet, it's when that Mm -hmm. duality doesn't meet when you're, so when you're being truly authentic, You're being you're being obedient to God because it's the same thing, right? And and I think I think when someone is being truly authentic and they're not lying to themselves anymore, and they're not rationalizing, I and this is where I would agree with George McDonald and David Bentley Hart. At least I can't see how you can how you can square the the icon of God that I see with a God that doesn't reconcile all things. It's the best story.
1: Well, yeah, and that, you know, I like I said, I shouldn't have brought it up, but I, I'm going to anyway. <laughs> but,
0: hey, I don't mind talking about it. I mean it'll be
1: yeah. you know I am still I'm still, you know, like I feel like I'm really dipping my toe in this, so I'm I'm still exploring the whole idea. But one of the things that stands out to me is if reconciliation of mankind well there's a couple things actually but one of them is if if reconciliation for everyone is not in the cards um then sending christ to die for the sins of the world was a cruel joke
2: you know just putting it very bluntly right if if if
0: you're saying if he just died for for the elect
1: just for this, a handful. Just for this a would handful, be
0: right? this would be the whole tulip limited atonement
1: oh is it see yeah this is
0: part of this is this is part of the whole um yeah well without getting into the whole history paul will know all this if he listens to it and anyone who's from reformed circles will know it but so when calvin was debating with i think he jacob arminius or whatever arminius tulip is really this acronym that came from a critique of calvinism but since then it's become associated with calvinism which is the five points of calvinism which are tulip so total depravity unconditional election limited atonement irresistible grace and the perseverance of the saint tulip so those are like the five core tenets of at least reformed the doctrines of grace as the reformed understand salvation and atonement. But that gets to your point. That's just what came in my mind when you said, if Christ came to die just for the elect, just for the select few, that's a cruel joke. Well, that's the doctrine of the limited atonement. So, (laughs) (laughs) but you could, but you could, uh, you could walk out, but this is why. So a couple things. I want to hear more about why you think it's a cruel joke. And also you baby think it's just obvious,
2: <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> but, um, but also this is why I think you're a fan. I love people who aren't, who are novices and who are self-educated because the benefit of being self-educated is that, I don't know. And maybe this is the romantic in me, but I think you more authentically follow your muse and you don't get caught out in all these, like, one of the reasons I love Gabriel Marcel, who's this French existentialist philosopher is he hated systematic thinking. He was just utterly opposed to systematic thinking. And I was like, Oh, you're my type of person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, And someone who isn't trained and educated in this didactic systematic way what that does, and it has to necessarily, is it limits your focus because that's what systems do is they limit, right. they exclude so that you can focus your salience on a few things. But then, but then it almost trains you to not be able to see out of that system.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And mm-hmm. someone who comes at these topics <clears throat> from, you know, not necessarily in ignorance because a lot of this stuff you're realizing, these are thoughts, you, you're no dummy. I mean, these are things you've no. already thought. You just yeah. didn't know the words that have already been there. I I think it allows, it allows for a lot of clarity and it allows for really helpful discussions, I think.
1: So
2: anyhow, keep going.
1: Well, you know, God, God created Adam and Eve. So he created mankind and in creating mankind, he introduced sin into the world, right? You could say he created it. And And, um, or he created the environment for it.
0: Well, that's that McDonald, you, uh,
1: I, I, I I think I've put a Bentley Hart quote concerning that on, I'm not sure if I put that. I
0: think I read something that you had quoted somewhere about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and okay. I'm just going to go really intuitive. Okay. Do it. (laughs) forget the quotes and everybody yeah. else's opinions. So w- at one point in my life, I'm reading the Bible. I'm, I'm having this intimate relationship with God. And I'm like, why did you put the tree of the knowledge mm. of good and evil in the garden? Right. Yeah. Like why? You don't just do things like happenstance.
2: Mm.
1: There's, there's gotta be a reason. Yeah. And, um, and, and that, that, so that led me on a on a a very prayerful meditative quest for many years, and I came to some conclusions about it myself. And I never really shared them with anyone because I I, I didn't have scripture verses to show them to mm. prove my point. Proof I just texting, had yeah. The God I know. Okay? Sure. The character of God.
0: The God. living God, one might say.
1: Yeah, yeah. and 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 so it, it's like okay, so God creates this thing out of love he loves them and he wants to be with them he wants to commune with them Mm -hmm. because that's what he does he goes into the garden every evening he communes with adam and eve and um and then at some point they 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 do the thing that he asked them not to do and then they get tossed out of the garden right and in my mind that that was the plan okay the plan was to redeem us okay he wanted to have us in a state of being in which we could be fully integrated with him forever and he would never lose us again yeah okay satan rebelled and fell the chance because god loves free will okay he wants things to make choices to be with him but he and, and so he he made us, he gave us a choice, he gave us another choice, he redeemed us, mm-hmm. right? And that put us in a position to freely move to him, towards him, yeah, forever and be in, in communion with him forever. I'm I'm skipping a whole bunch of yeah. stuff other things that I thought because I don't think they're important. But okay. but um and so <clears throat> If that wasn't the plan, that, you know, that this, this thing that he made, that this creature that he loves, God doesn't love anyone any less, right? Like, he loves everyone. He is love, okay? Like, yeah. he He is love.
0: Well, that so, reminds me, yeah, McDonald, like he's infinite and all of his attributes
2: are infinite. And if he loves, he loves he infinitely. Loves. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: And, and um, you know, the orthodox idea, which I'm learning right now, and, and what George McDonald is describing as the consuming fire of God being his inexorable love, yeah. I'm just like yes, yes, yeah. yes. That's it. That's what yeah. it is, right? Yeah. And um, and you know, burning off 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 all that dead wood and right. for, the, for the final, you know, re- reconciliation with God, which would make it a worthwhile enterprise for God to send His Son for. Okay, anything less than that wouldn't be enough.
2: Yeah.
0: For Any anything the sacrifice of the son of God for anything less than everything, something every, Yeah. than the, then the universe, then the cosmic yeah. totality of all things isn't worth it. No. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I just, I don't, I mean, I don't like to become, I don't know. Apparently someone was telling me recently in David Bentley Hart's book that he, um, he comes down pretty, pretty firmly, I mean in in classic David Bentley Hart style, pretty uh <laughs> he's pre- he's not afraid to mince words. Uh, but he apparently comes down really hard of even against like a hopeful universalist. I think my friend said it this way, and I don't know if he what he says exactly, but he said something like, He calls even hopeful universalists just lacking the courage of their convictions. <laughs> and um <clears throat> and uh I've kind of always framed my position that way. But a lot of that is just because a lot of that is, um, is not because I don't believe it or I'm not convinced of it. It's more of just like a posture. It's, it's my attempt at a posture of humility and, and saying like, I'm not going to be dogmatic and saying that I know because, right. because I mean, I, I just can't, but, but, but if you ask me, do I believe in universal salvation and how, I mean, I don't know. I said it to my friend this way and maybe this was hyperbole, but I was, but I just said, I believe it about as firmly as I believe that I'm sitting here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? Um, Yeah. So yeah. And could I be wrong? But you know, there's no, I also know that there's no, um, like people will get there if they're going to get there. One of my favorite, quotes is, you know, when the student was ready, the teacher, the teacher will appear. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason that I love that quote and think it's true is because when the student's ready, they'll realize the teacher was always there.
2: Right.
0: Because everything's there. It's it's in the presence of the moment. If you have eyes to see, Mm
2: -hmm. I mean,
0: you'll see it. Right. Uh, And a lot of it is not so much about the absence of the truth that's around us all the time. It's our inability to perceive it. Right. Um yeah. So I don't know. Yeah.
1: And you know, like George McDonald says, if if you know, I would never sit a man down and tell him that this is the position that he needs to take, right? Yeah, right. But if you ask me, this is the yeah. position that I'm taking. Right.
0: right. That whole David circ- Dundee
1: Hart also forwarded that book, Luke, by saying that it'll probably be the last book he ever writes.
2: Really? Huh.
1: Yeah. And I think that's because he'll lose credibility because of it. Right. Because of his.
0: Maybe. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I haven't talked, I was, I've been meaning to speak to m- um, my priest about it because he followed, he knows, I don't know that he knows personally, David Bentley Hart, but he definitely knows of him and has appreciations for him. But it's a, I mean, mm-hmm. it's definitely a strong position to take. And, um, I don't know. I'm never one to begrudge someone for, you know, just strongly stating their position. You know, I love that as long as you're Mm -hmm. doing it in the courage of your conviction and in love, you know, and not trying to, I don't know, start some sort of ridiculous tribal fight about abstractions. (laughs) Right. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, that idea of loving, loving God, You know, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might and Mm -hmm. love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these things hang all the law and the prophets.
2: Right. (laughs) And
1: I, you know, I thought, okay, so the law and the prophets are like a coat and love is the hook, right? Yeah. It's the, the, the coat is hanging on the hook. The hook is acting. The coat is passive, right?
0: <clears throat> well, yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's, and ultimately maybe that is the end of theosis in the Christian life and the, and the mystery of Christ in us is that when we forgive, when we forego maybe all of our f- fleshly and worldly masculinity, And and fully imbibe and and enliven or enliven Christ in us, the Logos in us. If we allow that to be our masculinity, and Him being living in us, and we are just this uh, receptive receptive vessel of Him, right? You know, that's that's the I don't know. That's maybe the the feminine spirituality and the receptiveness that we need is to. I don't know let go of all of our
2: you know,
0: control
1: you know the the thing that that strikes me too um, reading having read barfield not I haven't finished reading barfield, but started yeah reading barfield um, he talks about original participation and final participation, and he talks yeah. about the fact that there this, this, the dissolution between the two that that stretch of time between original and final is a is a dissolution, right like it's when the two Mm-hmm. The, the the original participation with the metaphysical is is dissolved, right? It, mm-hmm. it becomes separated.
2: Yeah.
0: Um
1: but he says, Barfield says that is a necessary evil. Okay. We have to go through that in order to get to final participation.
0: Yeah, I think that, that yeah.
1: That is exactly the story of <clears throat> redemption.
0: Yeah. Or the garden, right? yeah.
1: The garden. It's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Okay. It's yep. a necessary thing because it brings us back to a place where we're where the glue sticks forever. It's about that, right? But, yeah. You know, I say I've I've often said God's heart is in the garden. Okay. Matt Allison made a really good point the other day in the chat. He said, you know, when God formed the man, he didn't speak it. He formed him,
2: he touched him, mm.
1: he made him, right? With his hands. Yeah. And um, like, you think about that kind of love, that's, you know, he loved what he was doing.
2: Oh yeah. And he
1: knew what he was doing. He knew yeah. it from, he knew the end from the beginning. Okay. Yeah. And he still did it. Why? Because it was the perfect plan. That's why.
0: Because it was perfect. (laughs) Yeah, this is the, that reminds me of my Leibniz quote with Job is, the reason it happened is because it's the best of all possible worlds because everything he does is perfect.
1: That's right. Right. And so how could it be otherwise? Yeah. Why would you expect less? Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's why the what if questions, I'm just like, No, it's the wrong question. Mm -hmm. You know, what if this, what if that? It's more just like, that almost reminds me of, uh, and that's because there's just almost infinite depth of truth and beauty in the space trilogies. But one of my favorite visuals of the space trilogy is the green lady with the waves. And when the unman is trying to convince her, or no, Ransom is trying to convince her to or he's not trying to convince her, but he's just saying like, oh, you were expecting the king, but then you saw me. And then like, why weren't you disappointed or saddened about that? And she's just like, she was, the green lady is almost, and not at the beginning, I almost see her as like an illustration of original participation to final participation throughout that story, Mm -hmm. because she's on those waves. She's saying, oh, I had never even, I had never even imagined latching on to the expected good from the good that I received. Like that hadn't even occurred to her, which is
1: that, she hadn't that abstracted means-
0: herself from the world enough. That's original participation.
1: That is also living in the moment.
0: Yes, it is. But then, yes. Through, but then through the whole story and through her evolution, through her seeing of even all those temptations and all that testing to the end, to the very end is... Is some kind of different conscious aware of evil, aware of suffering, aware of difficulty, having been tested by fire, having the dead wood burned off there's something different about that kind of final participant than that first one
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and that one is
1: there's no wisdom in the first one
0: yeah and there's no there's no um i don't know it's like the the contrast or the depth or the the angst the feeling of beauty is just um i don't know it's, it's like kind it... of like
1: what jordan peterson says if you don't know what it is that you're running away from you have no impetus right yeah yeah you know like when he talks about his um program there what's it called self-authoring program
2: yeah oh right?
1: yeah to sit down and write write out what could possibly go wrong with your life if you don't do these things, right. It, it gives you enough terror to keep you moving in the right
2: direction.
0: Yep. And different people are different. That's what actually, I don't know if you saw, but uh, when Paul was talking to, I think you pronounced the name Comet. Comet Bailey recently, who's doing his own kind of personal training thing, but he was saying that he he's doing a lot of similar self-authoring stuff and he was saying he's the type of person who's always much more driven by the thing he's running away from so he's just like that potential hell i want nothing to do with so i'm going this way but then there are also people who are very driven by like the the beauty of the everlasting city you know which is the, the thing future. that draws them yeah
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know and yeah. it's and part of that's probably just our temperaments you know yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: of what's drawing you but yeah man so what all do we talk about we talked about duality and masculine and feminine and universalism (laughs) man we touched on a lot of things how long have we been going
1: i don't know i haven't
2: haven't, haven't oh i haven't either
0: i keep no track of time but i was thinking (laughs) it's probably long enough for a randos conversation and i sure should probably sure. go do other things, and you have sheep and goats and hay to attend to. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, this is great. I don't know. I would love to talk to you again because I don't know. I just feel like there's certain people where I'm just like, our It feels like so little work because our spirits yeah. are so just. Yeah. Automatically aligned.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's do it, Luke. Because, okay. Um, for me, um, I really appreciate you the way you articulate like i i have like i i just feel like a, a fish in the ocean i'm just like
2: woo, this is so beautiful
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> well that's how i feel i don't i don't i don't know i don't feel like i'm particularly articulate i feel like i try to articulate things and everyone just comes away just being like
1: no hmm. no you're good at it No, I really loved that conversation you had with Job. And I think Job did too, actually. Yeah, it was good. Well, he's
0: such a, Job's such a great guy that that's really, I don't know. And I, and I don't know, like even in my conversation with him and Jeff and I, there were a few times where I'm, I'm seeing him and interpreting him in a very positive light to which he says, oh no, that's, that's all just this. And I don't know, I'm going to, I want, I'm going to encourage Job to listen to this because I think, I don't know, maybe the thing that he needs to hear is your whole um, self-love thing. Cause I don't, Mm -hmm. cause I don't know. It's almost like I want, I want Job to see himself the way I see him. I think he's fantastic. Mm Um.
2: And I don't know. You know, I
1: wrote wrote a comment, I think it was in his second conversation with Paul. And I wrote a comment. I thought, "Mm, I'm just going to, you know, walk the plank here a little bit. And I said, Job, if you're not a Christian, then neither am I.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, that's (laughs) right. And that's the way I feel about him, too. I mean, but I'm also, I've also dealt with enough agnostic people in my life that just like, don't tell me I'm a Christian. And I'm just like, you know, whatever. when the the student is ready the teacher will appear like you'll be ready to hear it when you're ready to hear it I guess yeah 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 (laughs) um but yeah I don't know he's just this whole community is such a I don't know interesting beautiful strange thing
1: it is it is very beautiful yeah
0: yeah so yeah All right, well, this was great. We'll be in touch. We'll be communicating. Um, Good. Good. I'll maybe send it to Jeff, see what he thinks. Give him a bunch of stuff to put in the comments or in the the description or whatever. In
1: the description, yeah. Okay, good. All right, well, God bless you. It was wonderful. Yeah, Yeah,
2: okay, thanks. All right, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Yeah, bye-bye.